Sports are back. Happy opening day. Baseball to everybody. Basketball is just around the corner. Football are in the talks as well as NHL. Everything is coming back to normal possibly. But don't forget, it's been 132 days since Breonna Taylor was murdered. With everything coming back and opening up, I just want people to remember why and how what the protests were about. And just don't forget it as everything opens back up and sports start start to come back on TV. Remember these victims' names and continue to sign petitions and fight the good fight. Now sit back and relax because I got a great episode for you today. And I have a fantastic interview with a very, very special somebody who, if you don't know now... You'll definitely know about when this interview is over. We're talking baseball today, guys. 60 games in 66 days here on Sports Time with my. Whether you in a car, room, office, or tone, Byron in the morning, got to talk for all the news. Sports talking, we talking sports talking. I'm thinking ready to play in the Jeter Fuse with Boston. Now that Kobe retired, I'm thinking Kobe for office. Also, except the NBA checks, I'm taking office from Detroit right to the big leagues, the big screen where we prove that we on big things. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Sports Time with my quarantine edition is almost over, I feel. Sports are coming back. We got NBA scrimmages this week. We have football talks in the works. The Washington football team has done some fantastic things and finally got rid of the the offensive slur that they, I guess they had no clue it was a slur. So many good things are starting to happen right now. But I just want to remind everyone as sports start to come back, as your city begins to open up, Remember what's going on every single day outside of your own personal four walls. Other people's lives are still being affected. Black people are still being killed every single day. Remember these things as your life starts to go normal again. Remember that privilege that you have and just attempt to do your best to put yourself in someone else's shoes for a second. But I am very excited today. Because it is opening day of the MLB season. And this is exactly what we need right now. Sports is a great escape. Just to be very honest. This is many people's sanctuary. To have sports back on television. And while baseball isn't everyone's most favorite sport. There's something about opening day baseball. That just gets you the chills. There's something about it. And today is nothing less than that. We get the Yankees and the Nationals. We get the Dodgers and the Giants. It's been a very busy MLB offseason. And there's just so much to uncover and there's just so much to look at. So I had to reach out to MLB expert at this point, Detroit Tiger diehard. I swear this guy is maybe about four months from being verified on Twitter and being a huge go-to sports person for the Detroit Tiger baseball team. Chris Castellani, he knows his stuff. And like I said, if you don't know about him now, when we get done with this fantastic interview, I promise you, you're going to want to be following all of his pages and subscribing to everything he does. Because if you are a baseball fan, but most importantly, if you are a Detroit Tiger fan, There's no reason you're not following Chris Castellani. So I got a fantastic interview. Sit back and listen. All right, sounds good. 
Hopefully it comes through cool. And well, I appreciate you uh, taking some time out of your schedule. I know baseball coming back today has got to be a busy day for you. Yeah, no, I mean, it's been a really busy week. I mean, with the podcasts and with people uh, wanting to do interviews and stuff, it's been uh, it's been pretty hectic. But, uh, no, it's been fun, man. I'm, I'm excited, really excited. Well, I don't want to keep you too long, and let's get right into it. Um, I mean, 66 games coming up in 60 days. I'm sure a lot of people have almost lost track of baseball since January. There's been some big offseason moves we've had here. You know, Mookie Best of the Dodgers, Cole to the Yankees. Kind of catch everybody up on this offseason we've seen behind quarantine, I guess. Well, I mean, I think what we've seen is a lot of teams seeing championship windows being cracked open. I, I think that team, you know, obviously last year we saw team in the Nationals, you know, win their first ever World Series. You still have teams like the Yankees and like the Astros that are very competitive, but everyone's chasing a ring. Yeah. And we've seen teams like the Twins, who had an excellent season a year ago, you know, got beat up in the postseason, but won 101 games. They're going for it. They made moves. They got Josh Donaldson. They got several pitchers. The Dodgers, who, you know, seemingly have an infinite amount of cash, they go out and they get Mookie Betts and then sign him to a contract extension just several days ago. I think that there's more parity in the league now than there's been in a long time. You know, this is not a league where you're going to find a lot of super teams. I think maybe in the late 90s, early 2000s, we saw a little bit of that with the Yankees and Red Sox constantly going at it. But I think with the advances in analytics and, and, and numbers, I think teams are playing smarter baseball and putting together deeper rosters. And it's made for what should be, even in 60 games, a really intriguing uh, sprint to the finish line here. And you said it right. Like the Even though the Yankees have this big names popping off the list and they look at the lineup, a team like the Twins, the Nationals, mm-hmm. even the Atlanta Braves are just as deep as a team as the New York Yankees are, despite not having the eye-popping names like Giancarlo Stanton, Aaron Judge, Sanchez, and so on. No, for sure. I mean, you're, you're seeing teams, I think even to a certain extent, my Detroit Tigers are trying to do something similar where, you know, probably 20 years ago, the idea was that you can build a great team through free agency. You can go out and if you have a ton of money, you can spend it to get these big free agents. But I think what teams like, like my, my Tigers learned, you know, over the last decade or so is that you get yourself into a lot of trouble when you do that. You end up signing guys to these bloated contracts who might only give you one or two, you know, solid years of production. You're seeing a lot more teams now who might not have the budget of a Dodgers or, or, or the, the, the amount of money that the Yankees have being able to build through the draft, to build through the farm system. And they end up putting together teams that are every bit as competitive as those who have all the money in the world to spend. And since we're on the topic of the Detroit Tigers, that's where I'm from. So we've got to go ahead and get that addressed right now. Fantastic draft again by the Tigers. Mm -hmm. A slew of young talent. I mean, Riley Green, Casey Mize, Spencer, Torque. All these great young, these young guys got a new coach, a proven coach in garden hire entering his third year. What is, I guess, the GPS for the Detroit Tigers? Where are we going? Well, you know, I think that, uh, you know, a lot of fans want to see the process accelerated. And I'm, I'm one of those people as well. You know, I'm tired of I'm tired of making videos every night talking about why this team is terrible. But I, I think that, you know, a lot of – I think after this year, my hope is, and Al Avila promised this, uh, is that we're going to see a team that's no longer, uh, you know, sticking – staying in the basement. I, I think that you look at the core of young players in this farm system, like you said, you brought up Green, Mize, Torkelson, you have Manning, you have Scooball, Alex Fiedo, Isaac Paredes. I mean, that's, you know, 
seven or eight guys that a lot of farm systems would kill to have, and the Tigers got them. And I think what we're going to see following this season, hopefully, is for the first time since this new uh, ownership, you know, since Chris Illich took over, is we're going to see him really open the checkbook, hopefully. And the idea of going out and trying to sign a George Springer or trying to sign a Francisco Lindor is something that hopefully we're going to see here very soon because as much as they have, you know, nickel and dimed their way through the last couple, you know, uh, free agency classes, you know, make no mistake about it. The Detroit Tigers are a, are a big market team and they got a lot of money and they're going to spend that money here pretty soon. Hopefully, at least that's what they promised. Yeah. And that's what, I mean, the Detroit franchise, we need that. All we, every day on Twitter, you see the flashbacks of all the great teams we've had and how right. close we've come. And I think what you said is great. What we were missing then were a slew of young talent with a couple of big-name free agents to kind of carry the load and show the young guys the way. If we're able to bring in a George Springer, a Lindor, later in their, later in their, uh, their career next year, two years from now, with the young talent we got and a proven coach, uh, it, it sounds like a destined for A.O. Pennant. Uh, man, that's the hope, right? I mean, you know, every, it's what a lot of teams are trying to do. It's what teams within our own division are trying to do. The one advantage that the Tigers have, like I just brought up over, say, a Kansas City Royals, is the fact that uh, they have a lot of money to spend. And they, if, when the time comes, you know, they can throw one of those haymakers in free agency and get a guy who could complete a roster like the guys that we just talked about. Yeah, we have the money to do a 10-year, 12-year, $350 million deal like you've seen some big teams. We've done it mm-hmm. before. We've done, we did it with Miggy. Prince yep. Hilder got a heck of a check when he came to town. So yep. uh, if they can do that, that'd be awesome. I want to touch on the new rule impact that we're going to see in this 66-game season. we got universal DHs. We've got uh, runners added to second base and extra innings of games. And obviously the biggest rule change, pitchers must face at least three batters. How is this going to affect the MLB season, especially a shortened season like we're going to see? Well, I mean, it's going to have a huge impact on them. Now, the, the thing is you got to make that distinction because, because a majority of these rules were put in place uh, at, to accelerate the game to make sure, for safety reasons. Essentially. Yeah. That's what the whole uh, starting a runner out on second base in the 10th the inning thing is for, is that you – you know, you, you're playing so many games in such a short period of time. You don't want teams to burn through their bullpens, and you want these guys to play, you know, a minimum amount of innings so that, you know, you don't have to worry about constant substitutions and guys coming in contact with one another. So I, in that aspect, for one season, that doesn't bother me. I've always, been fine, I've always been fine with the universal DH. I think that the possibility of that staying even beyond 2020 is pretty high. But then you have the rule like the three batter uh, minimum rule, which was a, a rule that was in place uh, before the, the pandemic even happened. You know, that was something that had been implemented by Rob Manfred at the end of the 2019 season going forward. I think that in a weird way, this season uh, is kind of everything that Rob Manfred wants because it gives them the opportunity to throw a million things at the wall and try mm-hmm. to figure out what sticks. And at the end of this season, which will signify the end of the collective bargaining agreement, we're going to have more negotiations between the Players Association and the owners and the commissioner talking about what rules are going to stay implemented, what rules they're going to get rid of. And I think that it'll, it, this whole season is essentially one big trial run to figure out which of them is going to work and which of them won't. Yeah, and it, it works out. I guess, sadly, perfectly for the objective at hand. This is a big test yeah. of season. We've discussed dropping from one, 182 games for years now. 
if they can have an action-packed 56-game season right now, obviously I don't think they'll come this low, but the chances of dropping into 100 or 115, 16 games may sound a lot more reasonable to people. Uh, it's going to be talked about. I mean, there's, you know, there's the big thing that has been, you know, talked about since Manfred became commissioner has been pace of play. And if, if that includes cutting down the season, uh, I think the players will fight back against it, but, uh, you know, anything's up for less, less right money. Now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Man, it's going to be a great season. So let's go ahead and dive right into it. Obviously with COVID going on, we have some kind of big name players who have come out and said they're not playing you see David Price, newly acquired by the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. The defending champs are missing two players in Zimmerman and Joe Ross. What kind, do you see other players possibly dropping out as the season goes on during this? Well, I think there's going to be guys because, you know, testing is going to continue every day. I mean, I know that everyone's excited for the season. I'm excited for the season. But, that you know, that is not going to it put an end. That's, yeah, exactly. That's not going to put an end to, you know, the spread of this pandemic even across Major League Baseball. Now, I think over the last couple of weeks, uh, organizations have done a better job of making sure these guys are getting in, making sure these guys are getting tested, and more importantly, getting their test results back quickly. But quickly. I think we're going to see some guys who, at some point in the season, maybe 10, 20 games into the year, will will come down with it. And instead of trying to go through the whole two, three-week process of going through retesting, you know, self-isolation, just flat out saying, you know, I'm just going to sit out the remainder of the season. You know, I think we've seen, because we saw that already. We saw some guys like you brought up who attempted to give it a go, like mm-hmm. Nick Markakis or or, uh, or David Price, and, and ultimately decided that it was best for them to sit the season out. I think we will see more guys throughout the season making that decision. This is just going to be such a, like you said, a, a big trial period for everybody. You got the Toronto Blue Jays playing at home, me playing in Pennsylvania this year. Um, I'm just so on the edge of my seat to see how it goes. And hopefully not too many players do get infected during this time. I can only right. imagine, you know, in the playoff race, in the thick of things, or even in the playoffs, getting uh, tested positive for COVID-19 and you need to miss 14 to 21 days or whatever the case may be. No, exactly. I mean, this, like I said, this thing is, it's going to continue to the very end and it's going to affect teams until the very end. And ultimately kind of the, the best kept secret about this whole season is that the best team is not going to win the world series. The team that's going to win the world series is going to be the best team that stays healthy. The best team that has the best testing parameters in place, the best team that, you know, gets lucky enough to not have one of their star players test positive and have to sit out for two, three weeks. I was just going to ask, does this season, you know, technically, quote-unquote, count? Because you have – I mean, think about last year, the Nationals, at, if, if 66 games, the Nationals would not make the playoffs last year. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it eliminates the entire tradition we have of baseball of getting hot at the right time. And Mr. October, oh, that's going to be going with 66 games. It's going to be a lot quicker of a pace. I have a feeling that with a time off, bats may even come out of the box slow. Mm-hmm. Um you don't have much time to figure it out on that side of things. No, I think, yeah, and that's a good point. I think in general, um, I think a lot of, I think everyone's going to kind of come out slow. I think what you'll see it with, you'll see probably some breakdowns and fundamentals and base running and fielding. I mean, these guys, as talented as they are, they aren't robots. And when you have a three-month layoff, essentially, in between playing your sport where, you know, you, you've barely even been able to work out, you know, everything's been closed, that has a major impact on you, uh, both physically and psychologically. So I think we're going to see, you know, we're going to see some some balls getting boofed in the infield. But I think for the most part, 
know, by the time we get to that 30 game mark, uh, you're going to see, you're going to see guys really starting to hit their stride. And I think the biggest question mark we have going into this is how do we handle the pitchers? Mm -hmm. Pitchers are used to pitching six, seven games uh, once a week. You drop down to 56 games. Are we going to see pitchers pitching maybe four innings at a time, three innings, and then done for the day with the starters? Uh, well, you're going to have to take it on a case-by-case -case basis. I mean, already before any of this happens, you know, you look at the, the, the numbers over the last 20 years, starting pitchers in general are pitching far less innings. And, you know, you look at a team like the Tampa Bay Rays or, or even, the, you know, some of the Yankees have done this several times, the implementation of the opener, a guy who starts for one or two innings, then you make it a bullpen game. So I think you, you have to take it on a case-by-case -case basis. I think Garrett Cole and Max Scherzer and Verlander and, and Strasburg, those guys, they're going to get their six, seven, eight innings in every single start. It's not those, those guys to be worried about. But I think with young pitchers especially, and especially pitchers coming off of injury, you know, you use Tiger's example. Michael Fulmer mm. is a perfect example of that. I would say, you know, a lot of these guys are going to be maxing out at around four innings. And you also have, you know, the, the added bonus of having expanded rosters. So you can pitch, mm -hmm. you know, hypothetically, you could pitch all your starters four or five innings a night and not shoot through your bullpen in a week span. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of chess to be played, basically. To totally. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> wow. I, I, it, I haven't even thought about that occurrence yet. But, yeah, with the uh, increase of the roster spots, you could literally do that every single day and be fine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I, I've been reading lately, a lot of teams are trying to adjust to this no fans issue. I know back in Detroit, they were even complaining about some of the sun reflecting off the empty seats. Guys are missing cutoff throws and catchers can't see the ball when it's being pitched. How are they going to adapt to the no fans? Are they attempting to cover up the seats or is this just going to be something players are going to have to learn to deal with? Well, it's a team by team basis thing. I mean, I think across all of Major League Baseball, they they are doing the the adding in crowd noise, which I think is a is a neat little touch. I really, you know, I have no problem with it. It's kind of cute. You, yeah, yeah, exactly. But in you look at you know across the board, every single one of these guys, especially the veterans, they're used to playing in parks with you know a lot of attendance with a lot of people in them, and that is you know that's just kind of one of those things. Probably as a player, as a manager you just kind of take for granted and playing. I'm sure there is a, a bit of a psychological impact of all of a sudden coming to, you know, one of these massive, you know, cathedrals, these huge major league parks and not seeing anyone in the stands. And, you know, we've seen some teams start to have fun with it, you know, putting things like, you know, cardboard cutouts in the, in the seats, you know, it's like little things to try to make things more interesting. I think in general though, uh, now that they've, they've kind of gotten past the, 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 the rough period of adjusting to that with the, the summer camp and the inter squad scrimmages. I, I don't think that'll have that much of an impact on the players until uh, we get to October, because all of a sudden uh, home field advantage means nothing anymore. I mean, you, you're <laughs> right. Not, right. You're, you're playing it in an empty ballpark. You don't have to worry about hostile environments. So I think, you know, last year's world series in which the road team won every game was weirdly probably foreshadowing for the kind of baseball we're going to see, in 2020 home field advantage is not a thing anymore and astros cannot hit the trash cans anymore for sure <laughs> exactly we yeah. definitely know that's coming from but the yeah. psychological thing is going to be huge i mean imagine fernando rodney back in the day coming out doing his dance on the mound with no one in attendance right no it'll be it'll be strange <laughs> a lot a lot of guys look a lot of guys openly admit to to feeding off of the energy of, of a crowd that's gone Closing pitchers are going to have to, you know, tune into something else. You know, I, I can only imagine Chapman who comes in at that Yankee Stadium 
that is at least 50% of the job of the fans is getting him ready to play. Mm-hmm. Um, no, for sure. it, it's going to be very interesting to see how these guys find a way to adjust. Um, who are some of your favorites, some, some teams that you're targeting and you're liking making a deep push in this short season? Well, a couple of surprise teams that I would look at. You know, one team in the National League that I think had really an excellent offseason was the Cincinnati Reds. You know, you go out, you get Mike Moustakis, you, you sign Nick Castellanos, you have a really good rotation with Sonny Gray and Luis Castillo, who had an excellent season a year ago, made the all-star team. You know, Trevor Bauer, who I think will be better. I, I think that's a team in the NL Central to look out for. In the American League, one team that I've been touting the praises of for several years because of their young core is the Chicago White Sox. I think that they have done a tremendous job, you know, really since probably the end of the 2016 season, you know, when they really went all out trading pieces, trading Quintana, trading Chris Sale, trading Adam Eaton, you know, and they got back several pieces that I think are going to build to maybe not this year necessarily, but in the next couple of years, I think a championship contender with with Yoan Moncada and Eloy Jimenez, Luis Roberts, Lucas Mm -hmm. Giolito. I mean, I think there's a legitimate core there. I I could see them in the next couple of years being a team that's really playing with the big boys. And I think in a 60 game sprint, when you have a young core that won't have to worry about, you know, the the physical wear and tear of a 162 game season that they might be dangerous. Right, that they might not be used to, I think they become a much more dangerous squad. Wow. And do you think the Tampa Bay Rays can finally figure it out? I mean, they've been a team who invents very innovative with what they do. They get so far and so deep in the regular season, deep playoff runs, but they have never gotten over the hump. A shortened season like this, in my head, might be perfect for the Tampa Bay Rays. Well, no, I mean, it could be. And I think this whole experiment would actually be a major success if a team like a Tampa Bay or an Oakland were to win the whole thing. Because typically, you know, the, the Rays are, are an organization. They're one of my favorites in sports because you look at the, their budget, you look at the fanfare, you look at their stadium. They should lose 90 games every year. And yet, <laughs> yeah, at least. With, yeah, for <laughs> sure. Like, but when you have management that's really smart, when you draft well, uh, when you you know use the numbers at your disposal, use analytics, you, know, you go about using sabermetrics, you, you, you put together a roster that at the very least is competitive and at the most has been a team that's been a playoff contender. But very often when you have a roster that's so limited by its budget, you often don't have the firepower to be able to compete with some of the big boys in the major leagues. And by the time you get to the postseason, you saw it last year, they gave the Astros a heck of a run. You get to game yep. five of the ALDS, the Astros have a, have, a, have a monster in Garrett Cole. That's just something that the, the Rays don't really have the luxury of having. But in a 60-game sprint, you know, you, I, I, could, I could easily see a team like that making a deep push and possibly even winning the whole thing. And that's what I'm thinking. I'm, I'm hoping that something different happens than the traditional, you know, deep Yankees and now the deep Astro run. But sure. I've got to ask you a super biased question since I'm here in Atlanta now. Right. What are the Atlanta Braves doing? How have they set themselves up and put themselves in a good position to be one of the best teams in the NL now? Yeah, well, they, they're a team that uh, also did, I think, a tremendous job of rebuilding. You know, probably, I think, after 2014, 2015, they really hit the reset button. And you've seen them develop a really good young core of players with Ozzy Albies and Ronald Acuna, Max Fried, Mike Fultonavich. Like, there's some legit studs, Mike Soroka, who had an excellent season a year ago. You have some legitimate studs there. Uh, and I think I think they'll, they'll probably be the favorites to to win the division in 2020. The one problem that they've run into, and, and I, I alluded to this earlier, is I think they're the team that has probably so far 
suffered the most from the pandemic. I mean, you yeah. lose, I mean, Freddie Freeman looks, seems to be healthy, but you know, he missed, you know, several weeks of, of summer camp with, uh, with, with COVID. With symptoms. COVID. Yeah. yeah. You had Nick Markakis, who's, you know, as rel- you know, one of the most reliable hitters uh, in baseball, who is t- sitting the season out, you sign Yasiel Puig, he tests positive for COVID. So you don't get him. It, it's one of their team that I think is one of the most talented in the national league, if not all of baseball. And I think with a few breaks could easily win the world series, but the, unfortunately with the pandemic, they've by no fault of their own kind of put themselves behind the eight ball here. And it's so unfortunate because there's such a big hype behind this Atlanta team, brand new stadium and the Atlanta fans down here absolutely love them. So hopefully they get that break that they're begging for. Yeah. Who, who you got tonight? Two big games to start the season off for us. You got the Yankees and the Nationals first, and then we get the Dodgers and the Giants later tonight. Who are your picks today? Uh, today, man, that's that, for that first game. That's a tough one. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with the Yankees tonight because I think Garrett Cole, his first start as a Yankee, um, you know, I, I think the Nationals are still remarkably talented. But you always wonder how a team's gonna play their first game back following such an emotional run through the postseason like they had a year ago. In the second game, I'm going with the Dodgers. I, I think, look, the Giants had for you know, for six years there uh, right. a, a legit dynasty. You know, you win three championships in five years. I think that core is kind of starting to come apart. You know, you lose somebody like Madison Bumgarner. I think that's going to be a baseball team that's going to struggle this year. So I got the Dodgers mm-hmm. tonight. That's two good picks. And, man, Chris, that was excellent. I appreciate you stopping by and coming on to the show today. Just want to leave it with drop some information so anyone listening can kind of find you on Twitter. I know you do tons of movie reviews on YouTube, and I agree the Blood 5 was terrible. <laughs> let me let the people just hear some stuff about you so they can go find your pages. Well, thank you. I mean, you can follow me on Twitter at Castellani2014. That's at C-A-S-T-E-L-L-A-N-I-2014. One four there you like you brought up you'll find the link to my uh, YouTube page uh, in which I'm doing a lot of movie reviews and a lot of uh, video essays while movie theaters are uh, you know currently closed due to the pandemic but I'm still trying to push out as much content as I can so if you have the opportunity please uh, like those videos subscribe to the channel I'd appreciate it and also on uh, the link to my Twitter page you'll find the link to my show Locked On Tigers uh, you'll find that on iTunes and Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever podcasts are available. Listen in. I'm doing uh, Detroit Tigers podcast, you know, 15 to 25 minutes a day. And uh, with the, the season coming back, I'm really looking forward to making those again. So please follow me on all those platforms. And if you enjoy them, uh, spread the word. I appreciate it, Chris. You're the man. We'll, we'll get all those followers over there to you for sure. And uh, play ball tonight. I appreciate it, buddy. Thanks for having me on. Have, have a good one. Yep. See you around. It was fantastic. I hope everyone loved it. July 30th, basketball is back. And we have a lot to uncover in just a couple of days before the NBA playoffs start. It's going to be a very action-packed month of August. And let you. I just want to let you all know I am here for it. We'll have podcasts coming out. I got a new intro coming soon. Just stay here and stay with me. But we have tons of sports information coming your way. Thanks for listening to Sports Time with Mike.
with the quick feet intensely waiting it's a suspense but i'm finally here and follow me here because trust me it's no time to be square and if you really did trust me then you would solemnly swear to pop a bottle for every banner